Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another Just Justin episode of the Clovis Culture Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. Each and every review counts. It really, really helps, and it truly means the world to me. Thank you. As always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, and I am in the business of changing people's lives for the better. I am a certified nutritional therapist, and I have helped over 1,000 people just like you transform their health and wellness. And I want to work with you. To prove it, I'm going to give you a free seven-day trial, which will give you full-blown access to all of the exclusive members-only content that Clovis has to offer. Just visit IamClovis.com slash start. I-A-M-C-L-O-V-I-S dot com slash start. You will find videos of yours truly, and you will find some incredible transformation stories from real-life Clovis clients. You will be shocked by the incredible stories that these brave individuals have to tell, stories of full-blown life transformation. 50 pounds in eight weeks, 40 pounds in 60 days, 19 pounds in 21 days, 100 pounds in six months, you name it, I have a client who has done it, and you can too. Check out IamClovis.com slash start and get started with your free trial today. If you'd like to check out my physical products, I am offering you a very special deal on the Perfect Paleo Powder, 30% off your first purchase. In fact, that 30% discount will be applied to your entire cart for your first purchase at IamClovis.com. Head over to IamClovis.com, check out the Perfect Paleo Powder and all the other products that I have available, and you will get 30% off your first purchase. Just use promo code PERFECTPODCAST, all one word, P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Perfect Podcast, all one word. Apply this discount code at checkout, and you will receive 30% off your entire first purchase. Order. Just visit IamClovis.com to grab this special deal. All right, let's get on with the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. Are you allergic to fitness? I'm going to piss people off from the jump with this one. Even though the statement I'm about to make is accurate and based on my personal experience over the last 17 years the last five of which have been spent running a popular nutrition company, working with over 1,000 clients one-on-one, and spending ungodly amounts of money working with some of the best fitness trainers in the world. That statement is, the more frequently I do intense workouts, the more body fat I have. Period. At this point, I can't even attempt to argue with this statement. It's a fact, plain and simple. And it has bugged the hell out of me for almost two decades now. It's taken years of being slapped in the face by this fact over and over again for my brain to finally accept it as true. Once I reached the point of acceptance and started making adjustments, my quality of life skyrocketed in every sense of the word. The point of this episode is to share my experience with you in hopes that you will have the same breakthrough and stop suffering through pain and sacrifice for no good reason. For starters, I have a thought experiment for you. The next time you have a few moments to kill, pull up YouTube and search for videos of Woodstock, 
the world-famous music festival that took place in 1969. Now, take a look at the crowd. Scan it closely. I challenge you to find one single obese individual in the entire group. You'll be hard-pressed to find one single overweight individual, let alone obese. Fast forward to today and YouTube a Beyonce concert or Luke Bryan concert. Hell, even a One Direction concert full of teenage girls. Virtually the entire crowd will be overweight and obese. I like to give people these powerful points of reference so they can see what has actually happened over the last four or five decades. We have, quite literally, deformed an entire species. I know that's not politically correct to say, but still, if we were to just take the view from 30,000 feet and think of this as unbiased scientists without worrying about anyone's feelings or the social justice warriors, if we just look at the data we have available to us, we can see the truth in that statement. I say again, we have quite literally deformed an entire species. If you stop and think about this another way, it's almost impressive. If the goal of the last 40 to 50 years had been to find a sneaky way to make the entire population as sick as possible while also convincing them to spend the most money possible attempting to get healthy while also plummeting global fertility rates and basically trying to eradicate the human species from the planet, you couldn't think of a better plan than the one we put in place. A synergistic blend of processed frankenfoods, government-mandated advice of the food pyramid slash my plate, the calories in, calories out model, jobs we hate, and lack of social connection. The ultimate recipe for disaster. The takeaway point here is this. The American mainstream has been wrong about every single aspect of fitness and nutrition for the last 50 years. This is irrefutable. Instead of people chasing goals and dreams for their lives, they waste decades chasing goals on their bathroom scales. It is the ultimate injustice. Now, you're probably saying, but Justin, I thought this episode was about fitness and now you're just ranting. And you're right, I'm sorry, I tend to do that. Let's get back on track. I want to take you back to the 1990s. The food pyramid reigned as the end-all be-all of proper nutrition. By 1992, it was plastered on the walls of every public school in America. Your dad was hating his life because the doctor said he could no longer eat red meat and potatoes or he'd have a heart attack within 2.5 seconds and die. Your mom was hating her life because the doctor said she must do some form of VHS aerobic workout in the living room wearing a ridiculous outfit every day or she'd also have a heart attack within 2.5 seconds and die. Oh, and if she somehow survived, she'd be fat and her husband would start sleeping with his secretary. And then there were us kids, like me, little Justin. I spent every waking hour dreaming of being an action movie hero. I grew up watching every cheesy Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and Jean-Claude Van Damme movie I could get my hands on. Luckily, my grandfather had the most extensive collection of movies on VHS I had ever seen. He put Blockbuster to shame. This allowed me to spend countless hours brainwashing my young mind on how to be a quote-unquote real man. Of course, this meant you had to spend countless hours in the gym and beat the holy shit out of as many people as possible. 
Can you guess how my teenage years went? Well, I lifted a lot of weights, took a lot of dangerous supplements, and the local police knew me by name. I started lifting heavy weights at age 15. I waited until I was 15 because my dad believed that lifting weights before that age would stunt my growth. I counted down the days until I was 15. Once that glorious day came, I began lifting weights for one to two hours per day. I would wash that down with about 45 minutes to an hour running on a treadmill. A beautiful way to spend your teenage years. This behavior stuck with me for over 15 years. I kid you not, when I went to college in Boston at age 18, I became a boxer. I would usually train two hours per day, four to six days per week. Oh, and that was my afternoon workout. I would also wake up at 6.30 a.m. to hit Gold's Gym to lift heavy weights before I had to go to class. Two training sessions per day for all my college years. I can also name multiple surgeries, including the one that removed bone fragments from my sinus cavities thanks to boxing. When I moved to Nashville, out of convenience, it became all about living room workouts. I've completed every single P90X program many times over and once completed the Insanity DVD program six consecutive times in a row. Oh, and did I mention that I would also find a few days per week to go to the actual gym and lift weights? Yep, that too. Then I found the wonderful world of CrossFit and proceeded to damn near kill myself. I was training CrossFit five days per week and doing extra personal training sessions on the side with a former Olympian to work on my Olympic lifts. Needless to say, I'm still dealing with nagging injuries left over from that period in my life. I moved from CrossFit and Olympic lifting to pure powerlifting, eventually deadlifting 425 pounds at a body weight of 160 pounds. I do not say this to brag. I say this to outline how absolutely unnecessary and ridiculous it was for me to ever think that I needed to lift such heavy weights to be a real man. I'm no longer proud of that number the way I used to be. Here's the thing. Any human on earth would hear me talk about my extensive history of fitness and think to themselves, that dude must be shredded. And yet, somehow, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, throughout my entire history of intense fitness, I had always hovered between about 24 to 28% body fat. If you don't quite know what that means, I'll give you a hint. Not shredded. Like, at all. In fact, you could have reached out and pinched any spot on my body and gotten a beautiful little chunk of body fat. But I kept trying. Persevering. Pushing through. Putting in even more time and effort. And I lived most of my life in a state of crushing insecurity. Any social situation in the summertime that required the removal of my shirt damn near killed me. I hated my body. How can it be possible for a human to engage in so much fitness and yet still be chubby? That's an easy question to answer knowing what I know now. But while I was living it, I couldn't put the puzzle pieces together which is precisely how most of the people listening to this have felt their entire lives. The truth that we all needed to hear that would have made all of our lives a whole lot easier is this. Fitness has almost nothing to do with fat loss. You see, for the first 12 to 13 years of my fitness journey, I followed the advice of the food pyramid, and I followed it perfectly. I even hired personal trainers to create meal plans for me, and I followed them to the letter. 
I lived on portioned meals, prepped ahead of time, and stored it in Tupperware containers. Tilapia, brown rice, broccoli, lean chicken breast, egg whites, oatmeal, etc. The same dietary advice America has been following for 40 plus years. The advice that transformed our concert crowds from Woodstock to Beyonce. The problem was, I never questioned mainstream nutrition advice. Not for a second. It took me over a dozen years to finally understand that nutrition is in complete control of your body composition. Fitness is not. I've been screaming this from the rooftops for years now. Ever since I finally took the time to study biochemistry and learn how this all works. Fitness can be wonderful for countless reasons. When programmed the right way and properly aligned with goals. Fitness exists for two primary reasons. One, to build muscle. Two, to improve specific skills. That's it. If you want a shredded, muscular physique, yes, fitness will be necessary to some degree, but I assure you it's way less than you think. I did an entire podcast episode about minimum effective dose for fitness and have talked recently about some training modalities that I love that are safe for just about everybody, and I'll summarize that at the end of this episode. But first, I want to focus on the glaring issues in the fitness industry that nobody seems to be talking about. Not only does overtraining not promote fat loss, it can actually promote body fat storage. Chronic inflammation, chronically elevated cortisol, disrupted sleep cycles, metabolic inflexibility due to constant glycolytic demand and a high-carbohydrate diet, and on and on. There's a long list of ways that overtraining can completely derail your fat loss goals. I once had a client send me an interesting email. They said, okay, Justin, this is going to sound crazy, but is it possible for a person to be allergic to fitness? At first... I thought this was a joke, a run-of-the-mill email I get from countless clients making a joke about how much they despise working out, which is understandable. But this client was dead serious. I could tell, and they gave an excellent explanation backing up their hypothesis. See, I knew this client on a personal level and had actually seen them train in person. They trained hard, really hard. They followed programming precisely. They did all the right things. And, like clockwork, the more frequent the training sessions and the more training sessions per week, the more body fat the client stored and the worse they felt. Across the board, decreased quality of life. It wasn't until I started putting a lot of thought into this client's situation that I was able to see the writing on the wall in my own life. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, my God, I'm allergic to fitness as well. I'm just like this person. And it was true. The longer my training sessions were and the more frequently I did them, the more body fat I stored. The opposite effect of what I was aiming for. I've had a few periods in my life when I was actually unable to work out due to significant injuries or surgical procedures. Each time, my OCD brain went crazy. My childhood brainwashing assured me that I would gain 300 pounds not being able to work out for six weeks or whatever. And yet, each time, because I focused exclusively on nutrition, I actually lost significant body fat during that period of total rest. And yet, for some reason, as soon as I was cleared, I would go right back to overtraining, like a moth drawn to a flame. Each time, body fat would creep back onto my frame. 
I would find all sorts of ways to justify this in my head. It was my body adjusting after taking time off from training or thinking I had body dysmorphia and couldn't see the real results in the mirror or believing that my chubby appearance would magically go away once my body adapted to my ridiculous training habits. These insane thoughts were constantly running through my head about my less than desirable appearance. Surely, fitness couldn't be working against my health and wellness goals, right? That's just plain crazy talk. To show you that this is not crazy talk at all, I'll share the story of another Clovis client. This particular client was completely addicted to at-home workouts, beach body programs. She would train six times per week. If she missed a day, she would do two workouts the next day to make up for it. If she missed a few days in a row, she would start the entire program over out of guilt. And yet, she was obese and had been for years. The fitness was doing nothing for her. She signed up for a custom nutrition plan from me. And if you're not familiar with my work, I am notorious for telling new clients who are overweight or obese to stop working out. I expect compliance with this for at least 30 to 60 days. People think I am insane for giving this kind of advice, and yet I've transformed the lives of over 1,000 people in the last 18 months alone. My average obese client loses 14 pounds in their first 14 days with Clovis. Results speak for themselves. Anyway, this client also thought I was crazy and refused to stop working out. I tried my very best to give her a plan that could somehow overcome the absurd overtraining and nothing seemed to work. I could not get this individual to lose body fat. Eventually, I had to give her some serious tough love. I explained that she had been doing things her way for years and had nothing to show for it. I made it known that I wholeheartedly disagreed with her fitness programming and would no longer accept it. Either she would follow my advice to stop working out completely or I would no longer work with her as a client. I would refund her money and she'd be on her own again. She begrudgingly agreed to try it my way. And guess what happened? She lost 11 pounds in her first seven days without fitness. Not only that, but her ongoing skin condition, rosacea, magically cleared up. If this sounds far-fetched, just shoot me an email and I'll put you in touch with this woman. She absolutely loves sharing her story. Her reaction to all of this was astonishment. She was over the moon excited. And then she became very, very angry. Why? Because she realized how much unnecessary suffering she had experienced in her life. She resented the previous decade of killing herself with workouts. She felt sick thinking back on counting every calorie, avoiding delicious foods like red meat, and starving herself. This is the same anger you will likely experience if you absorb the message of this episode, when you finally decide to ditch the mainstream approach to fitness. What should you do instead? Well, the answer is quite simple. You do what is appropriate for your body. This sounds simple enough, but the hard pill to swallow for 85 plus percent of America is that the amount of exercise that is appropriate for their current state of health is next to none. And that's not an insult. It's meant to be motivating. Think about it. How much easier would it be to get in shape if I told you that all you had to do was a single set of push-ups each day and that you could even do them on your knees if necessary? It seems a bit more realistic than running out and signing up for a CrossFit membership and committing to five days per week now, doesn't it? 
Now, what if I told you that depending on your current state of health, you could actually get better results doing a single set of push-ups each day than you would get from doing CrossFit? You would probably insist that I am a crazy person who clearly knows nothing about health and wellness. Then, you would remember that I've transformed the lives of over 1,000 people without fitness ever being a part of their plans. One could say that I have just a teeny tiny bit of data to go off of to make such outlandish claims. Let me explain a concept. I call it appropriate demand equals appropriate adaptation. The whole idea of getting in better shape means we are trying to get the body to change through adaptation. We place a demand on the body and force it to meet that demand. We hope that by doing this, the body will adapt so that the next time we place the same demand on the body, it is a bit easier. This is literally why muscles grow and get stronger, so we can meet more significant demands in the future. But here's what nobody tells you, at least nobody in the mainstream fitness space. Appropriate demand equals beneficial adaptation. Inappropriate demand equals harmful adaptation. Here's a quick test to see if you're ready for intense exercise. Lay down on the floor. Now, get up off the floor without using your hands. If you cannot do this, don't feel bad. Just understand that you have exactly zero business stepping foot in a gym for any kind of intense workout. Let's say you are a female. You're five foot two and you weigh 200 pounds and cannot do a single bodyweight pushup or pull-up and I walk you into a CrossFit gym and make you do a shitload of burpees and then put a barbell on your back and tell you to do heavy squats, you are in big trouble. I am putting you at tremendous risk. And the next day, you will be miserable. You will be in so much pain you can barely get out of bed. Odds are you will be injured whether you fully realize it or not. Why? Because this is a textbook example of inappropriate demand equals harmful adaptation. Let's walk through a different scenario. You are the same 5'2", 200-pound woman, and we get together and go through a few simple bodyweight movements. I might ask you to attempt a bodyweight squat or a push-up, and then we will modify the movement to account for any mobility restrictions you currently have. We will meet your body exactly where it is. Let's say we decide to work push-ups and determine that the most you can do is five push-ups and you must do them on your knees because you cannot do a single strict push-up. Okay, great. Here's what we're going to do. You will complete your five push-ups on your knees. Then you will rest 20 seconds and I will ask you to, again, do as many push-ups as you can. You might be able to do two. Then you will rest 20 seconds and I will ask you to do this again. You might be able to do just one or even zero push-ups. That is the end of your push-up workout. This is called triple failure. We could then repeat this same exact routine with bodyweight squats. You could even hold onto a squat rack or a door frame or any other piece of furniture to assist you. The squat workout would progress exactly as the push-up exercise did. You might only get three squats the first time one squat the second time, and zero squats the third time. That is totally cool. This is the end of your squat workout. Once you've completed your bodyweight squats, guess what? You're done for the day. Congratulations. That was a fantastic workout and you did an excellent job. This is an example of appropriate demand 
equals beneficial adaptation. You might even feel a little bit of soreness tomorrow, but you'll be able to walk just fine, I assure you. And guess what else? This works for all humans. The difference is where failure will happen. A fit person might be able to do 50 strict push-ups, then get 25 their second time and maybe 11 their third time. This is an appropriate demand for their body, not for your body. Are you starting to understand how this works? Here's the other thing to remember. Failure is not optional. With this style of training, you must fail to adapt. If you can do five push-ups on your knees, and I ask you to do only those five push-ups every single day for the rest of your life, you will never get any stronger and you will never build any additional muscle. The demand is, again, not appropriate to force the adaptation you are hoping for. Folks, I promise you, if we could get the entire fitness industry to switch to this way of training clients, all of the bullshit programs, fancy equipment, expensive gym memberships, and crappy fitness infomercials would disappear overnight. Why? Because people would start getting real results and would be able to see through all the smoke and mirrors. The problem here is nobody can really make a profit from bodyweight exercises. And I want to be clear. I am not saying nobody should do CrossFit or Jiu-Jitsu or powerlifting or HIIT training or boxing or bodybuilding. I'm simply saying that those things should be reserved for the people who actually want to do them because they enjoy them. Not the people who suffer through it and are miserable but continue doing it just because they think there is some magical light at the end of the tunnel. This is simply, well, fucking dumb. I hate running, and I don't care how many elite runners tell me that the runner's high is magical and I'm really missing out. Thanks. Keep doing your thing, but I genuinely don't care about chasing some runner's high, and I'm never going to do it, okay? If I really want to get high, I can think of a million better ways than jogging that are, at least in my opinion, way more fun and enlightening. The fact that I hate running doesn't make the runners wrong and doesn't make me right. It just means I don't like running. People who love running should absolutely continue running. We all love different things. And when it comes to fitness, if you want it to be a part of your life long term, it is critical that you find things that you enjoy doing that also bring the benefit of appropriate demand equals beneficial adaptation. And of course, I do think that some form of exercise or daily movement is a requirement for optimal health, wellness, and longevity. So if you just truly hate all forms of exercise and are really just looking for minimum effective dose for health and wellness, just stick to something like the protocol I outlined earlier with triple failure. This way, if you're going to suffer, the suffering will only last about 10 minutes a day. So, are you allergic to fitness? I don't know. I can't answer that. I believe all individuals have different exercise requirements the same way they have different nutrition requirements. The same way we can find outliers who thrive on a diet high in refined processed carbohydrates, we can also find outliers whose genetics allow them to become competitive CrossFit athletes. But again, these are outliers. They are not the norm. And if I were a betting man... I'd wager there are a whole lot of sneaky supplements helping most of those individuals as well. I think it's safe to say, if you're listening to this, you probably don't have the LeBron James gene. And if you do, 
Can I borrow some money? I hope this episode was informative or at least entertaining. If nothing else, I hope this episode gives you permission to treat yourself with love. To stop shaming yourself because you don't love fitness as much as your favorite Instagram influencer with abs and a booty. I hope it gives you permission to care for your body and give it what it truly needs. Proper nutrition, rest, relaxation, a bit of daily movement, a bit of daily sunlight, and a whole lot of quality sleep. Start today. Go ahead. You deserve it. I got a good thing somewhere, but I closed my eyes and lost my way.